you're just somebody that I used to know. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we're talking about episodes 27 through 29 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean. So, remember how in the end of the previous episode, they got keys to a helicopter and, and some cars, and they were like, oh, uh-huh. hell yeah, the helicopter, and Koichi was just like, really excited about the helicopter, but clearly he's not going to fly the... Ca- he's flying the helicopter. Yeah, and by that you mean Emporio. Koichi. Did I say Koichi? Yes, you did. This I is an Koichi. even smaller, even more terrified I boy. Had, I had Koichi on the brain. <laughs> we were just talking about him. He- yes, yes. We were just talking about Koichi in 2012 in, during these <laughs> events, living his dream of being like a sound designer and record producer in his own studio. But a Mrs. Hirasei, Yukiko, of course, mm-hmm. uh, d- decided to, to steer the business in the direction of becoming <laughs> an idol factory. And she is a very, very bad manager. You do not want to be on even on her good side. Yeah. No yes. side. Just stay away. <laughs> But this is Emporio we're talking about. This is Emporio, who's far more terrified and little. (laughs) Yes, he, not Koichi, is flying the helicopter. I mean, at least he has training wheels. He has engaged autopilot. (laughs) Yeah, that that certainly helps. I mean, it's not like either Hermes or Jolene also know much about flying a helicopter. I guess he just called dibs. That's all it takes. So so he, of course, is flying them straight toward Cape Kennedy, but but Jolene is feeling her stand sense tingle. Uh, she wants to intercept Poochie, and, and she knows that he is, is farther west in Orlando. They got to turn around. And yeah, this is something I forgot to mention previous episode when we were like, okay, weather can just kind of sense where stand users are now i guess part, from this point on throughout part six it's heavily bringing back the whole joe stars can feel other joe stars thing from stardust crusaders yes yes it's everybody with the star mark that has uh started to become a little bit more prolific but mm-hmm. those are the people that can really really find one another yeah she can she can sense some stuff some some people with star birthmarks and then suddenly Emporio's just like, hey, there's something wrong as a weird little pink streak of light is kind of zipping around the helicopter and through the helicopter. And suddenly Emporio can't open his eyes. Jolene's eyes are shut and also profusely bleeding. Hermes is suddenly having difficulty opening her eyeballs as well. And the helicopter starts to fall out of the sky. Oh, no. Ah! So the OP plays, and and back in the helicopter, everybody's eyes are shut tight and bleeding, and nobody can navigate the controls necessary to stay airborne. Mm -hmm. So Jolene just (laughs) takes her hands and forces her eyeball open uh, to see what's going on. And so she makes herself a detecto web, but these little purple wisps are just avoiding the strings flying around them and, and not being found. Ah... So Jolene has another bright idea. If the if the enemy is in the helicopter, let's get out of the helicopter. She yeah. grabs her two best friends in the world and just jumps out of the helicopter. Hell yeah. Are there uh, parachutes? No, don't be no. silly. <laughs> no. So when I when I first read this part and yeah, you know, I was going panel by panel, I was thinking, oh man, the next thing she's gonna do is shoot out a whole bunch of string to weave a parachute out of thread. That's not what happens. 
No, no, too simple, <laughs> too calm, too straightforward. <laughs> yes. It's far too logical. No, what happens instead is that th- this is sort of a replay of the hanged man fight mm-hmm. in that if we know that it's coming for us, if we get away, it's going to come straight for us. So so now Kiss can line up a, a, a shot to just punch this stand out of the sky. And that's exactly what happens, except there's a dozen more behind it. It's not just the one. Yeah. And the the things that are flying at them, uh, when I saw in the manga, I uh, instantly identified what these things were because I saw these things constantly on various uh, Unsolved Mysteries-esque shows in the 90s. <laughs> and I was so psyched to re- suddenly remember these things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So so Jolene shoots herself a thick rope back up to the helicopter's <laughs> landing strut and breaks their fall as they swing on it into a golf course water hazard. I guess it's supposed to be more marsh, but it does yeah, kind of look Yeah, it's just like another that. marsh, but I wish it was a golf course. This mm-hmm. would be a lot more fun. So yeah, they, they are able to skid to a stop in, in this marsh. Helicopter crashes, everyone's okay, and Hermes is telling everyone, hey, there is a whole bunch of those things. By the way, the one I punched and killed, I still have in my hand. This thing ain't a stand. It's like an actual living creature. What the fuck is this? It's a critter of some kind. Uh, Emporio recognizes it, and he does not uh, name it yet. But it is, what do you say, it's about eight inches long. Yeah. It's basically a rod with uh, uh, sort of boat-style propellers around it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. I mean, the, the one that is being held in the hands of Kiss is all fucked up and broken open. <laughs> but that's really all there is to say about it. It's, it's a very, very simple looking creature. Yeah. So now, the mysterious cow man. <laughs> Yay! He's here. I do not have a cow man. A cow man is here. He drives up on his motorcycle and he introduces himself. His name is Rekiel. He is named for the Queen of Knits, uh, fashion designer Sona, Sonia Rekiel. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because she is also the namesake of liquor, but now much more <laughs> directly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But let's talk about how, what Rekiel looks like. I mean, we kind of already said it, but Cowman. He's a cowman. He, he's wearing a full body suit, like head to In toe. cow spots. Yes. Yeah, cow spots. Sleeveless, but he's also got cow spot, uh, uh, like wristband, not wristbands, like elbow length armbands. And he's got a boob window. He's got a boob window, and this. And one instead piece... of ending with a collar, this this uh, uh bodysuit also contains a cervical collar, like a neck <laughs> yes. brace. Yes, yeah, because he did have that that motorcycle accident very mm. very recently. What hospitals do customized neck braces like this? <laughs> and yeah, he's got kind of purplish hair, just kind of parted right down the middle, long bangs swept to the sides uh, mm-hmm. of his face. And he's got like on his forehead, on each side of his forehead, kind of like near the ends of his eyebrows, like two little, they look like diodes, like from the hospital. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe he just tore the leads off when he got out of the hospital and came to kill our heroes. Yeah. And, like, other than that, that's Rikiel. That's That's Rikiel. That's basically it. Uh, His English voice was Neku in the anime for The World Ends With You. Oh, okay. 
And his Japanese voice is currently uh, Shadik in uh, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury, returning okay. in April. Yeah. Uh, and Saitama in One Punch Man. This oh, is wow. the One Punch Man. Wow. A very different type of role from that here. <laughs> so once he has arrived and introduced himself, of course, it's flashback time, obviously. Oh, yeah. This flashback starts with him thinking of thinking of Poochie's command to just center himself and think of Dio. Yeah. And we learn that Rikiel's life was ruined by his eyelids somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, his eyelids droop randomly. He is on his knees whimpering about this in this flashback, covered in sweat. The doctors claim there's nothing wrong with me. Ever since I've been 16, just unexplained eyelid drooping, uh, which led to him having panic attacks in high school. And He's people... having a panic attack right now in front of his absent dad's weird friend. <laughs> yeah. And like he was taking a test, having panic attack, and people were like either pointing at him and making fun of him or just thinking he was weird. And so he just stopped going to school after that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he goes, look, father... Even my hands are all fucked up right now. And they're just... This is more than just drenched with sweat. This He, <laughs> he dipped his hands in a bucket of his own sweat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so so Poochie ejects his disc, which means that White Snake is still in play, still on the table, in addition to whatever these electric time fingers are all about. Yeah. And uh, uh, Poochie examines his disc and is like, ah, I see. You have the power to control living rods, also known as skyfish. Hell yeah. These creatures that are seen by skydivers but have never been proven un to exist until now because they are your minions. Yeah. Now, in reality, in reality, it's exactly the opposite. They only appear on film and never seen because... They're an artifact of motion blur. Mm -hmm. Skyfish, living rods, these are names applied to uh, uh, when you see a bug fly across your film that would not be there if you had, say, a higher shutter speed. Yep. Yeah, it's entirely... They're really popular in, like, night photography and trail cams for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw so many features about rods on <laughs> unsolved mysteries and various other shows of that type back in the 90s mm -hmm. and i was just oh like i feel like after the 90s and early 2000s like rods were not a, a type of cryptid i ever heard about ever again everyone got tired of rods maybe because cameras got better yeah they got debunked enough and <laughs> so that yeah. yeah for one thing cameras move to a point where you don't really see them unless you're trying to go for a specific effect that, mm -hmm. that makes them more likely and also people know more about shutter speed i guess yeah yeah but for some reason there there are still people who believe in orbs and it's the exact same yeah, shit it's so the same. yeah i don't know yeah when when reading this for the first time I was very happy to see Rods <laughs> as, an, <laughs> as an evil creature to fight with. I thought that was fun. Serikiel truly opens his eyes for the first time in his life, and he sees his minions. He sees his Rods. <laughs> and one of them knocks a tooth out of Poochie's mouth without even touching him. So he says, hey, why don't you go outside? <laughs> <laughs> go outside and play. <laughs> With all of your new friends, all your rods. Go play with your rods outside, Rikiel. I'm, I'm assigning you independent study. Go, go on, get. <laughs> yeah. 
So this stand, the stand that uh, Pucci names for Rikiel on his behalf is Sky High, localized mm-hmm. as Sky Guy, uh, <laughs> which is named for a, a 70s pop rock song from one hit wonder Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. It is indeed their one hit. Uh, I was number two on the Japan charts and it's fine. I, you know, I don't even think I've ever heard Sky High. It sure is 70s pop rock. Yeah, I I suppose I can just imagine it in my head. Yeah, I probably I probably got it <laughs> close enough. So so now that he has replayed the memory of him gaining confidence, uh, uh, back in the present, he tells our heroes, "quote I'm no longer a loser, painting and sticking my tongue out like a damn dog." <laughs> you didn't have a tongue problem. You had an eyelid problem. Keep yeah. it straight. And so now, yes, Emporio is looking at the rods and going like, oh, yeah, I know all about rods because, you know, me being a weird child who lives inside a prison until now, I've read tons of books, nonfiction only, please. Uh, (laughs) He's full of very useful information, like the fact no one knows what they eat. Yeah, yeah. So Jolene and uh, Aramis start piecing together other clues, like... Just from all the attacks so far, it seems like he's best at both close range and tight spaces. So so Rikiel immediately starts to sweat. Oh, no, they figured him out already. Yes. He's fucked. It is really funny to, like, have that flashback and, like, the instant he's out of it. It's just like, you know, I no longer have panic attacks. I am I am finally, for the first time in my life, totally confident in myself and, you know, my abilities and skills and all that. And the instant these two ladies approach him, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a house of cards. I mean, and when it rains, it pours because his his bike, his motorcycle starts to sink into the marsh dirt behind him. <laughs> and while he's distracted, Kiss throws a bunch of rocks at his face while he's trying to find his keys so he can drive the, the bike out of the, the rut. It's it's squeezing into the dirt. Yeah. Uh, the rocks he throws at him, they all somehow curve and bend around him and go back up into the sky. And she's like, hmm, don't know how he did that. doesn't really matter, though, because she pulls stickers off of the duplicate rocks that she still has in her hand, which causes all the rocks to curve back around and nail him in the in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. One hit, he's immediately a sweaty mess again. <laughs> yeah. His eyelid starts drooping again. Like, yeah. So the rods are just everywhere, hovering around in a holding pattern. And uh, uh, Irma says, good job coming all the way out here for us to beat the shit out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he finds his keys. His key was in the ignition the whole time. And as his luck begins to change, as his confidence begins to to increase again, Aramis's fingers break (laughs) out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, and this is it's it's time for the the Jojo villain talking about an unrelated topic that has nothing to do with anything as a metaphor for how they are doing in battle or how they feel right now. So let's talk about Apollo 11. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is very important. He keeps returning to it. So so Neil Armstrong's step was indeed for all mankind. It, it lifted humanity to a new plateau of achievement, a spiritual development marked by this great achievement. And that, that is the meaning of life. And for him in particular, that means control over air cryptids. <laughs> I mean, he's right, though. Like, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he is right to say it is important that it was a guy and not like landing a drone up there, just like mm-hmm. sending an unmanned rocket to, to slam into the moon and leave a plaque. 
Yeah. Does the idea of a Mars rover stir your soul the way a crewed mission would? No. I don't know how much you remember of being like seven or whatever, if I count the years, but there was a time in your life before anything had landed on Mars. Mm -hmm. And now we have a whole like robot society (laughs) up there. They're friends. Yay. They're friends. I love it. I love them. But even so, it's not the same as a guy. Yeah, yeah. People will carry water for the dumbest man alive if he holds out even the tiniest hope of there being a guy up there. (laughs) Uh, I do like the very beginning of his Apollo 11 speech here when he talks about, I don't understand why it was important some dude was on a rock. Sounds dumb. But then. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's he's all about that that spiritual development and evolution, and that is what really drives him to do the things he does, which is kill Jolene because a priest told him to. <laughs> so all these rods are are flying towards everybody, and Ermus is shouting, "What the fuck, man! My hand is rotting!" And then we zip over to Emporio, and uh-huh. he shouts, "My pee's all bloody, and for some reason, there's bloody pee everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> so Rikiel continues to talk and he talks about how Pucci attaining heaven is the greatest spiritual evolution of all so he's got to protect the priest in order to, to make that possible mm-hmm. and that brings us to our meta episode title card we see Sky High and uh, uh, as we're about to see in the action Sky High the stand itself is a little wrist bug he's cute it's very cute it's a cross between like a chameleon and the the Spider-Man silly string toy. Yes, yes, the, the, that you put on your wrist. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. So Jolene does the Jolene thing, which is walk directly toward this man <laughs> and try to punch him. <laughs> yeah. Which is when her ankle snaps and twists backwards. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and Emporio's just like, okay, I saw nothing touch her, her ankle and it did that. So that therefore means there's something internal happening there's something inside Jolene's leg that forced it to twist like that yes this this is all the clue he needs to piece it together the rods eat body heat yeah he he like lifts up his shirt on one side of his torso is where Jotaro's disc is and when he lifts it off there there is a deeper uh like flusher skin tone where the disc was sitting Whereas the other side is is pale and sickly, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because because the rods stole heat from his kidneys, giving him kidney failure, giving him bloody urine. Yes. I don't know why it also made him incontinent, but don't. It's fine. Don't worry. It's a stand attack. It doesn't count. We just got to <laughs> get you new pants. Yeah, yeah. It's also rotting Aramis's hand and and Jolene's ankle through the same method, and he says. In the ghost room I used to live in, I read about this in one of the books on the shelf. Yeah. The music room you used to live in? (laughs) (laughs) They have so much in the nonfiction section of the reading room, it spills out into the music room. Look, at some point, this prison used to fucking rule. This used to be... (laughs) I I am convinced this used to be the most kick-ass prison to be in all of America, because goddamn, the amount of just books that they have yeah this prison was actually the city college of palm beach they don't (laughs) they don't mention it yeah (laughs) so so he talks about thermography thermography is yes a medical diagnostic tool basically you take a a infrared picture of the body and see what's 
uh, in Emporio's description, what's unusually cool because that's where the disease is. Mm-hmm. False. <laughs> What you often want to look for is what's unusually warm because that's where extra blood flow is going Mm -hmm. because that's inflammation. Yeah. The disease is the hot spot, Emporio. (laughs) Everything's all topsy-turzy in in, in JoJo land. Everything's backwards. Gravity is 14 meters per second per second. Just fuck it. Who cares? So yes, all of their symptoms, all of their symptoms are the result of acutely removing body heat, which therefore induces illness. Yes. Including the eye stuff. If, if your eyes get too cold, they squirt blood. Yeah, and they just close automatically. And Rekiel says, yes, you got me. Exactly correct. <laughs> yep. So now Hermes is just like on the ground, unable to fight because all the he has been like sucked out of her legs. And so she just can't feel them or use them anymore. And so a whole bunch of rods are going right towards uh, the back of Jolene's head Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he Rikiel, as he says out loud to everyone, they're going to snack on her first cervical vertebra. Yes, the, the final blow, the coup de gras that he intends is for them to strike uh, uh, at the first cervical vertebra. That's the very top vertebra that connects to the skull mm-hmm. uh, uh, in order to suck the, the heat out, out through it and disease the brainstem, which is going to just instantly kill them. Yeah. Jolene, seeing this happen, keeps her cool as usual and just tells Emporio, who's rushing towards her, trying to get her out of the water, uh, like, hey... Give me your ghost lighter. (laughs) I want to light some ghosts. (laughs) And she kind of does because she has surrounded herself in a loose net of of stone ocean thread. And she lights that like a wick, setting her entire body on fire. (laughs) Yes. And Rikiel says, quote, if you're trying to test my spirit, it's way stronger than yours. No! False! Wrong! (laughs) No! (laughs) She doesn't run towards him. She just does like an angry stomp walk towards him. Like she's a a mom who's very upset at her kid (laughs) being a piece of shit or something. And she Uh just decks uh him one across the face. He falls over, knocks his motorcycle over. His uh, one piece, like the, the, the armhole, like gets caught on the handle of the motorcycle and it rips it open. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he goes, oh, you know what? I'm going to light myself on fire, too, with gasoline for my motorcycle. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, he, it's like he wants to find Jolene's weakness in, in mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. on fire. And the only way he can do this, apparently, is by feeling the same pain yes. as her. To defeat his enemy, he must know her heart and therefore understand the exact pain of, of immolating yourself. <laughs> And he shouts, in this way, my heart is like Apollo 11. (laughs) I love this man. Yeah. And so Jolene just takes another swing at him. And when she goes to punch him right in the noggin, everything just goes like, and he he just bends and warps in in shape. And it's because he is (laughs) fucking with her eyeballs. Yes, he explains this as he stops, drops, and rolls because so he, he learned looking. everything he needed to know. It is so funny looking, see, watching him stop, drop, and roll in the dirt while doing the normal JoJo villain, like explaining his plan thing. 
See, see, when he set himself on fire, he realized there's a part of himself and therefore Jolene that wasn't on fire. There was no fire over the open mouth. Mm-hmm. Got to breathe. So, so the rods could go inside of her mouth and suck the heat out through the roof of her mouth to shut down her hypothalamus, <laughs> distorting her vision. Yeah. This is the most correct thing in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hypothalamus disorders can indeed distort vision, mm -hmm. but the hypothalamus is wired into so much shit through your entire body, you could use it to justify literally anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. It's just the off button in this stand fight. But yes, he, he's circling Jolene because now she can't see him correctly, so who knows where he really is. And Once he again, he screams, I am Apollo 11. Yes. And Jolene just sits there, hands on her hips, like, I got this. Because she doesn't need to see him. He's got a fucking Joestar birthmark on him. She can just sense Hell where yes! he is. Yes! So she closes her eyes and decides not to breathe. <laughs> yep. And so she just, yeah, she just focuses, detects where he is, does a big fucking roundhouse kick to his face, and then just pummels the shit out of him. It's the coolest fucking thing. It's so cool. It's yeah. so cool. And it, it this part's animated really well, too. Like Hermes looking on, says to herself, I didn't realize how determined she was. Yeah, you missed some stuff. You missed a lot. Uh, <laughs> when, when you were in the hospital wing after Sports Mask, uh, after Sports Max, some things changed. Yeah. She went into a battle royale, came out as, as winner, winner, chicken dinner, and yeah, she leveled up like 3,000 times. So <laughs> yes, he he gets utterly fucked up, falls to the ground. Jo Jolene's already talking about beating the information out of him and making him scream. But while Rikiel seems nearly dead, he has turned the rods against himself to give him nerve damage to be immune to all pain. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, he's specifically numbed his hands as well so that he will not feel the, the burn as he claps around Jolene's neck to pat the fire out so that the rods can, can get that yummy, yummy cervical vertebra snack. Yeah. The plan is now just kill this dude before he can kill her. So she's just punch rushing him over and over and over on the ground. Well, he's still just like clinging as hard as he can to the back of her neck. And eventually she falls to the ground, fires mm -hmm, padded mm -hmm. out. It looks like both of them are, are out. And when Hermes and Emporio run up to, to both of them, Jolene stays on the ground and Rikiel's the one to get back up. But not for long, because he Jojo's tricked himself. Oh. His hand holding onto her neck to, to pat out the fire was also protecting her brainstem the whole time. The rods were sucking his hand heat, yep. which he didn't realize because he already had nerve damage yep. in order to prepare for this move. Dumbass attacked himself. <laughs> and also, by the way, he was pummeled so hard by Jolene that like he has sunk a couple inches into the dirt here. Yes, he's <laughs> further down than his bike is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and now the big question that looms over the rest of this episode is whether that was Jolene's plan all along. Yeah. Did did she outthink him or or is she protected by the hand of fate guided to to this inevitable conclusion at Kennedy Space Center? Yeah. 
But but either way, her life was saved by going headfirst into her enemy, you know, again. Mm-hmm. And so Rikiel is uh, just, just talking about what, why he wants to help protect Father Pucci. Quote, since the day we met, my mind has been at ease. Since yesterday. You're talking about yesterday? That was yesterday. That, yeah, literally, yeah. You've had a nice day. Congratulations. <laughs> and, you know, he talks about how he and the other sons of Dio are just, you know, essentially just being pawns to serve the greater will of Pucci. Mm-hmm. And he says... The, the greater will of Dio that has of Dio, f- yeah. f- flowed into Pucci. Uh, a sensual will you wouldn't expect from a man. <laughs> yeah. And he, he also says that, hey, Jolene, you going to Cape Canaveral is also just something that serves the, the, the plans of Father Pucci and Dio. Like, everything that is happening here is just to lift Pucci on high. Uh, and then he drops some very interesting, very special information. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody who's involved in this is, is on their, their fated course, guided by the will of Dio and the hand of Pucci, including Weather Report. Weather Report is so very, very special because he's Poochie's brother and he doesn't even know it because he's got no memories. Mm-hmm. Ah! And so Aramis walks over and kills him instantly. <laughs> yeah, she just shouts like, I have, ha- you know, I'm just fucking sick of this dude, crushes his head in. And so and so she turns to Jolene and explains that she doesn't, she's not in on all this fate bullshit. She doesn't believe a word of it. She can't, she can't, because that would mean that if fate laid this path, that that means fate killed Gloria, and mm. fuck that. I know who killed Gloria. I killed him back. It was a big deal. Yeah, my my sister's like tragic murder is not some just like wrinkle in the footnotes of someone else's plan. It's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Hermes marches off, and it's it's time to you know try to make their way to Cape Canaveral. Four days to the new moon, and then. Yeah. The narrator kicks in and we see uh-huh. two guys, two cool dudes driving their hogs, their motorcycles on the highway. Traffic law in Florida regards the riding of motorcycles. Clearly states that if one chooses to ride without a helmet, they won't be subject to subjected to fines or penalties. It's their choice. <laughs> and that's really, you know, the whole uh, freedom of mankind thing to to choose. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, the freedom to die in a crash is crucial to all mankind since the prehistoric age, <laughs> says the narrator. Says the narrator. Says the narrator. As, as the, the camera like, does an extreme zoom onto the spider tattoo on the bald head of one of these bikers. And then the rods that were previously controlled by Rikiel just start flying around on their own volition uh, and cause a, a a motorcycle accident. Yep. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and that's why you wear your helmet so your brain heat can't get eaten by a sky bug. Exactly. That would be really bad to have happen to you. Insurance doesn't cover sky bugs. <laughs> Insurance doesn't even believe they exist. Keep says something about like low frame rate. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, that brings us to episode 28. Heaven is at hand. Three days until the new moon. So we've got a, a pretty sizable recap here of the helicopter crash. Mm-hmm. Rikiel's whole, like, uh, you know, drive to, to ascend. Uh, Jojo on fire. The knockout punch. Weather report secret. Into mm-hmm. the OP. 
and we come out with a, a pan over like a Florida roadmap with relevant places marked. Yep. And then an establishing shot of Orlando, which a subtitle comes up and, and says that it's a 10-hour drive from there to Cape Canaveral. What? 90 minutes. 10 It is hours? a 90-minute drive. Oh, how big is Florida? You know, anything's a 10-hour drive if you're slow enough. Yeah. I'm just imagining <laughs> like one of those little videos or GIFs you see that come around. Is it uh, a go-kart? Right? Like, like you the- could- in 10 hours like those animations you see in in like middle school that show like okay this is what the world map you know shows you but here's the actual size of like each territory and things grow and shrink accordingly and i just Mm -hmm, imagine mm -hmm. florida becoming fucking massive (laughs) (laughs) yeah what what kind of projection is it to make america's dong just gigantic (laughs) yeah it takes 10 hours just to go from orlando to cape canaveral wow it's so big So a narrator-voiced EMT wheels a young boy named Mike into the familiar Lucky Land Hospital. Mm -hmm. While Hermes, Emporio, and Jolene arrive nearby, having uh, uh, commandeered Rekiel's motorcycle. (laughs) They are also not wearing helmets. No. And that's okay under Florida law. It's fine. Okay, this is one thing I didn't fact check. I gotta... Okay, okay. I had to fact check my fact check on this one. So uh, JoJo's is right in this one. It is, with certain caveats, legal to drive a motorcycle in the state of Florida unhelmeted. That came into law in the year 2000. That fact is about as old as the character of Jolene Cujo. Pretty recent at the time this plot irrelevant cutaway uh, uh, was written. So you got me. Uh, However, one of those caveats, you do have to be over the age of 21. So if, say, Jolene were to show up also riding a motorcycle unhelmeted, uh, or Emporio for that matter, and I'm pretty sure Hermes as well, then that, that would be a legal issue. Because everything else, every other factual claim in that we're going to talk about today, absolutely backwards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jolene consents Poochie and someone else inside the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to fucking put an end to this shit right here, right now, before anything else can happen. It is now three days to the new moon because it's apparently a one day drive from the <laughs> outskirts of Palm Beach to Orlando. Maybe maybe they had to uh, make a stop somewhere so Jolene could retwist her ankle back into the correct position. <laughs> She would just use stone free to like weave a brace. That's and true. It's fine. It's true. It's true. Extremely versatile stance. Or she'd use stone free to totally unspool her ankle. Yes. God. Yeah. She could do that too. Actually, <laughs> turn the ankle into a seatbelt for Emporio, and then it's, uh-huh. it's two birds with one stone. There you go. <laughs> but but anyhow, uh, they arrive. And speaking of Emporio, Jolene has a very special side quest for him. He's got to take that that memory disc, Jotaro's memories, contact the Speedwagon Foundation, and arrange a pickup. Because that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. At least it was until she read the memories and figured out what Poochie's up to. Yeah. He, he's got to go run off and, and make that call and, and drop off. Wow. But he doesn't wanna. He Aww. wants to stay with her, and so she gives him a little, little, little peck for luck, and sends him on his way. It's cute. Oh, it's very nice. It's very cute. They they also give Emporio a cell phone, which they stole off Rikiel. Yes, they say they'll call him on it. 
do they know the number? They don't have phones. Uh, um. Ah, uh, whatever, whatever. They'll they'll pay phones still exist in in two thousand two slash two thousand twelve. It's fine. Yep. So inside the hospital, Poochie is eating some fancy shrimp dish with the final son of Dio, despite having a shellfish allergy. <laughs> yeah. This is Donatello versus named, of course, for Donatello Versace. Yep. Uh, this is also the reason my uh, real grade Ziong is named Donna. Ah, okay. I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> all all of my gunpla, all of my little robot buddies. Yeah, I have uh, names that are very common, or at least common-ish uh, English, or at least American names, and mm-hmm. they all I can tell you how they got them. <laughs> yeah, even though some of them have very convoluted strings. the The exception is I don't remember why I named my Ziong after Donatella Versace. <laughs> Anyhow, let's take let's take a look at the look of this skunk-headed man. Yeah, I feel like versus looks like how most men would look like if Iraqi did a a JoJo story in the '70s set in America. He's got that mm. kind of hair to me. I don't know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. blonde hair with bangs that just kind of go flat across his forehead, uh, like almost completely down to his jaw, bold sideburns. With like a you know what his whole hair reminds me of? You know huh. the Pokemon Young Goose? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, his hair is Young Goose. But, but with a, a dark brown stripe down the middle. That's why yep. I was calling him skunk-headed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's currently in a wheelchair. He's the guy who got shot in the leg previously. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing a white bodysuit. Deep V high collar. Yeah, deep V high collar. He's got um, one accent color, which is this kind of turquoise, which manifests in a turquoise belt and uh, two turquoise like straps that start around the bottom of his ribs and go up to his shoulders, which are held in place by big loops, mm-hmm, patchy mm-hmm. loops sewn on top of the, the suit. And he's just kind of got those those loops everywhere on him, on his sleeves, on his legs. This This bodysuit reminds me of something like... A modern reimagining of a 70s Marvel character. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the original Beyonder look updated mm-hmm. for, for yeah, let's say 2005. Also, like, the, the shoulders of his bodysuit remind me of the um the weird shoulders that Big Boss's coat had at the end of Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, is this a choker or a neck tattoo? I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I think it's supposed to be a choker. Well, whatever it is, it goes around his neck and on the front of his neck, around his, his uh, larynx, it turns into a square swirl, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Versus. He, mm-hmm. Donatello Versus called Versus constantly. Yeah. Uh, d- does not use his first name. His Japanese voice is Serizawa in Mob Psycho 100. Oh, cool. And dubs for both Henry Cavill and Mickey Mouse. Wow, okay. They finally got Mickey Mouse in here by hook or by crook. They made it happen. <laughs> Yay. So, so Pucci has asked him to taste test this meal and see if the thing that clearly has several peeled shrimp sitting on top of it contains shellfish. Mm-hmm. 
And so he takes a bite of the, like, flan in the center of the dish and uh, says, ah, well, it's flounder, and it has uh, uh, this, this, and this, and crab meat. And then he says, I detect no shellfish. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) Crab is a shellfish. It clearly has shrimp. Look, he, they're trying to be as wrong as possible at all times. He's he's got a, a really high fever from getting shot in the leg, and he doesn't know a thing about anything. I don't know. Uh, yes, this and, whole scene is very strange. And and Poochie's like, hmm, no shellfish. I might be able to eat it. Why don't you try a bit with a, a spoonful with this sauce in it? And he's like, ah. Yeah, there's definitely scallops in the sauce. You can't eat this crab shrimp meal because of your shellfish allergy. <laughs> what the fuck? So, Poochie asks, is your shoe size 27 centimeters? No, it's not, because that's not a shoe size. That's a measurement of length, and it's not one we even use in America. <laughs> and, and he asks Versus to stand up, and he does, and he says, ah, are your clothes size 52? No, his clothes are a medium. This is America. <laughs> and you weigh precisely 72 kilograms. I mean, that I'll let slide, but I dare you. I fucking dare you yeah. to find any rack in this country that says size 52. And if you're thinking, ah, 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 jackets come in sizes like that. He could be getting a check. Look at a size chart. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. He's getting like a size 42. Yeah. The types of clothing these types of men wear in JoJo's, they're not buying them in America. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're going out. El- they're traveling. They're not buying them anywhere. <laughs> these are all custom shops. They, they, yeah. They are. Sometimes I feel like they're born with these clothes on. Like, <laughs> As it comes down, I guess these two are meant to be an absolute 100% physical match, aside from the shellfish allergy. <laughs> yeah. How, what's the significance of this? Mm. I can't tell you. I don't know. Oh. Maybe like, next week I'll know. But it's like, yeah, it's he he takes off like the, the little thing around Versus's wrist and puts it on him and he's got like the exact same vitals as him, which is like less, I don't know. There there's kind of a general range of vitals you want to have. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are like down to the exact digit, so sure. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> But uh, as time goes on, it becomes clear that Poochie is just king of every institution he goes to. Yeah. If there is paperwork in a place, they love him there. Mm -hmm. That's just all there is to it. (laughs) And so versus like, hey, I can sense other like birthmark people coming towards us. That's pretty bad, right? And Poochie just thinks, actually, that might own right now. Let's just sit here and wait. So, so Jolene and Hermes have entered the hospital. They're inside looking around for Poochie. Uh, meanwhile, back in the hospital room, in, in Versus's hospital room, that, that crab flan has fingers coming out of it. Yep. That's not great. And then a face emerges from the flan. It is young Mike, uh, who talks about his father shooting him and the very difficult life that led to that, that uh, point today. And then a bullet shoots out of dead Mike's neck mm-hmm. through the door to the room and kills his father waiting out in the hallway. Yep. So his mom is having a real rough day. Just an absolute nightmare for her. 
and Jolene and Ermis, you know, see that shit happen just feet away from them. There's other hospital staff to to go check it on that. We immediately got to go mm-hmm, <laughs> surround mm-hmm. this door and go, hey, what the fuck was that? The bullet knocks the door off its hinges. So Jolene and Ermis are like peeking through the crack on either side and they see that the room is empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, while a hospital guard starts evacuating the entire floor because someone just got shot in the hallway. Yeah, and they're a little confused because they see the guy got genuinely shot by a real bullet, and it's just like, well, that's usually not a stand thing to shoot a normal <laughs> bullet, but I don't know. Anyways, let's let's kick down this door and you know try to check out what's going on, and when they do, there is a massive, very deep hole in the yes. middle of the room. Yes, th- this is a sinkhole that gets like 30 seconds on the national news. This is yep. a big, big hole. The biggest hole we've ever seen someone disappear into. This this is the ultimate <laughs> technique. Yes. Raised to a whole new level. So Jolene can feel Poochie moving through a, a tunnel down down below in this hole. And she moves to jump in immediately until Ermis like grabs her by the collar and is like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Ver- one extremely obviously a trap don't do that we don't even know how deep it is let's figure out how deep the hole is first before we go down the obvious trap hole so they start looking for a flashlight and they find one strapped in like a special uh, a flashlight holster underneath the hospital bed <laughs> yeah standard issue obviously nothing nothing to say about that mm-hmm. uh, uh and so they start looking around and they find the chart for one mr versus yeah. They don't really learn anything from it, but they find no. it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Jolene says, quote, I'm already well aware that this hole is an obvious trap. I'm not stupid. I just love jumping into trap holes. Mm-hmm. She thinks, okay, you know, it's a trap hole, but in three days, Poochie is going to get some kind of crazy new stand or something. That's going to be really bad for him to have. Yeah, yeah. Right now, Pale Snake pops discs out of people's heads. But if you punch him, he's not great at dealing with that. So we got to <laughs> kill him right the fuck now. Let's go in the hole. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to strike now before, you know, yeah, th- this new stand is done cooking. So she just pops out a, a long spool of thread from her star birthmark, hands it to Hermes, and she just jumps down the hole. And it's just like, hey, just hold on to the rope. If I yell through the string, just pull me up. And so she starts hiking through this tunnel that goes who knows where, who knows how far. In fact, Ermis is worried there won't be enough Jolene left to fight with when she gets to the end. (laughs) Yeah. And so in the hole, Jolene uh, sees something shining off of her flashlight. She bends down. It's a spoon. She picks it up. And as she stands up, she finds herself on board an airliner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the meta episode <laughs> where we see Underworld localized as Netherworld in uh, uh, its title card debut. Mm-hmm. Underworld is a UK electronic band from that, that hit their height in the early to mid-2000s. Uh, they did half the score for Danny Boyle's Sunshine, a great date movie in my experience. Okay. And uh, after this was published, their next three albums all reached the top 10 in the Japanese album sales charts. Mm, okay. Cause and effect. Uh. Mm. Do we want to describe what Underworld looks like right now or wait until he actually... Let's talk shows? about Underworld. Let's talk yeah. about Underworld. So he is... He looks like a relative of Moody Blues. I don't mm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he's a similar, like, kind of, all, like, vague humanoid shape. 
muscular, but without too many features on him. Kind of like a pale blue skin. He's got nipples. One nipple is the kind of choker pattern that Versus has on his neck. And then the other one is the Star of Life. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's the, the logo for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Sure, yep. why not? Yep, yep. Uh, he's got no face. No. He's got a totally smooth face. Uh, uh, you know, you know those special, like, eye cups they that you wear in a tanning bed? Yeah. He's got those, but each one is connected to a pair of, like, bright orange strips that runs around its head, which is yeah. fun. They're kind of connected to his head via little, like... It almost, again, looks like the little hospital diodes that you would stick to your head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's got, they're like extending out and connecting themselves to these little metallic rods or strips or whatever they are. He's got a little, I was going to say loincloth, but there's no covering here. He's got a little (laughs) skirt made out of like little feathers that go. It's in everything but his loins cloth. Yeah. 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 (laughs) yeah. It's just a little skirt of feathers that kind of just go over his hips. And every once in a while, he has little silver discs like, I don't know, round scale mail for a belly button and on Mm -hmm. top of his thighs and a few other bits and bobs here and there. Yeah, and then he's, he's got... all right. He's a, he's highly accessorized, but yeah. uh, they're small bits on a very smooth body, so it doesn't seem too like too terribly much. I like Underworld. I think his head looks cool. Yeah, I like the he's weird. Got, he eye does cup have a things. cool head. Yeah, uh, and th- that kind of feels like a, a recurring thing lately. Is that you'll get like kind of a standard humanoid thing, but with a cool head, and that's like the <laughs> defining feature. Yeah, that's Underworld. So in the plane, Jolene sees someone reading the newspaper in the plane. This is July 1st, 2005. Everyone observe a moment of silence for the day Luther Vandross died. Mm -hmm. Poochie versus and Underworld are all outside the window, standing uh, uh, on dirt in the tunnel that is uh, obscured by clouds in the air. (laughs) Because this is both a plane and also a tunnel. Yes. You know, after she sees this new stand just leap into the air and disappear from her view, she looks up and sees that her string is, you know, clipping through the the roof of the airplane. Like, there's just kind of a, a rippling portal effect that her string is coming out of. So she's tugging on it, trying to yell to, to Hermes to pull her up as you see the kanji or whatever of her words kind of spiraling mm-hmm. and traveling up until it finally reaches Hermes. She starts pulling her up. Just like in Sports Maximum. Just mm-hmm. like. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Jolene is phasing through the roof of the plane, getting pulled up, and you just see Underworld just like tiptoeing across the top of the plane to go slice the thread apart. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so Jolene goes in for a punch rush, and he just kind of like phases through rock in the tunnel and disappears. And so it invites Jolene to stay here in its hole. And then it moves to cut the line and she attaches a a pen, a little clicky top pen uh, uh, to the line, which uh, uh, then rockets along the line and punctures Underworld's neck, wounding Donatello versus. Yeah. And this begins my favorite dynamic in this whole fight, because it's the first time Poochie looks at Versus and is like, she's really fucking good at this, bro. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like, you just got a stand yesterday. I don't like your odds. She's so fucking good at this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's just like, it's not surprising at all that she would steal a pen from a uh, person from the past. 
That's just what she does. She's going to shoot so many random things at you. It's all bullshit and it works. It's it's no big deal. It's like, I, I won't think less of you if we just send her out of the hole and we just camp down here for three days. Maybe you get some practice in. That's yeah. fine. That's okay. Yeah. And versus hates being talked down to like this. Like Absolutely. This. He's getting really pissed off. Like, don't tell me what to fucking do. And so Jolene is getting pulled up almost entirely out of the hole. She can she can see light again. She can see Hermes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Hermes looks down and she starts to see uh, Jolene just starting to get, you know, ambient light down in the hole reflecting off of her. And she keeps pulling and, and she keeps coming up, except that's not Jolene. That's Sports Maximum. Ah, oh, shit. Ah. And she can't drop the line and get rid of him without also dropping Jolene to, to her certain demise. Mm-hmm. Sports Maximum is just nonstop taunting her. And as he comes up, he restates Stone Tape Theory, uh, uh, just like we heard in in uh, part four from, I think it was Raimi who explained it uh, in, in the ghost alley. Yeah. Except this time, it's correct, but not by <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the idea that, that the Earth itself can can take a record, can have a memory of traumatic events that happen above it uh, uh, and then relay those memories. And maybe that's what ghosts are all along. Mm-hmm. Except in this case, they leave off that last part. They, they make it very clear that th- uh, what we're seeing is just memories and not ghosts. Yep. Yep. So, so Hermes is being faced with the Earth's memory of the dead, the, the death of Sports Maximum, and Jolene is in the Earth's memory of a whole lot of other deaths on a plane. Oh yeah, and so Hermes, freaked out by the, this memory of Sports Maximum, she she punches it, destroying it, but in the process, also falls down into the hole along with Jolene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now they're both in the plane. Yay! Oh Yay. no, that's oh. bad actually. And so when they come to, they're approached by. A woman in the plane who says like, hey, you know, pl- uh, please make sure to get in your seats and, uh, you know, welcome aboard. Make sure to be buckled in and stuff because this plane is expected to lose control in about five minutes and crash into the ground and kill all of us. <laughs> She's very calm, welcoming, professional, fatalistic. Mm-hmm. She's all of these things. Yeah. Why is the screen... On this American flight, putting the weather in Celsius. I don't know. Also, military time. <laughs> but yeah, everything, everybody in this plane, like, knows what's going to happen. And they're just, like, sitting there going, like, yep. There, there's a sense that the, the memory is fluid for some some parts of it seem to have already happened. Like when this flight attendant unbuttons her shirt to reveal that she has already experienced uh, the impact of the person sitting behind her's face smashing through her torso yes, and becoming sort of a krang in her tummy. Yep. It's really gross looking. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's a safety presentation people will actually pay attention to. Maybe... Maybe they should ad- adopt this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the the scary straight type. But yeah, both Jolene and Hermes are just like feeling around the entire plane going like, wow, this feels really real. How the fuck do we get mm-hmm, out of mm-hmm. here? And as, slapping all the overhead compartments. Yeah, as the flight attendant just keeps going on about, you know, what's going to happen 
and all this shit. You know, please kindly take your seat. This plane will be crashing in less than three minutes. Excuse me, miss. Please refrain from punching the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And Jolene's like throttling her saying, hey, take us to the cockpit. We're going to write this plane. Uh, And as she does that, the flight attendant's just like, hey, there's, you know, the reason why we crash is because we tried to land and we couldn't land safely. And as she does that, her skin starts burning off. Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, she's melting. A lot of people are melting. You're just seeing, like, exposed muscle everywhere. A guy tries to drink, and the water pours out of a hole on the side of his neck. Uh, She yells at a guy who's currently melting, like, Hey, I told you to turn all the electronic devices off, because he's still on his laptop. (laughs) (laughs) And she demands, can you not make this plane crash any faster? It's great. It's fun. Yeah. And so, with two minutes remaining on the clock until certain doom, weather report is on the way. On foot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is the end of the episode. Episode 29, Underworld. It begins with Anasui and weather report having walked to the hospital. <laughs> mm-hmm. And weather report senses Jolene and Poochie and a third person he doesn't know who we know to be versus. Mm-hmm. And now we go into a, a, a recap of, like, where they are and the, the plane crash timer, which ends with Jolene uh, making a plan, of course, to go, to go directly for the user as she jumps out of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And and Irma's is just like, uh, hey, uh-oh. <laughs> and again, and Jolene. And then she says, ah, never mind, go for it. <laughs> yeah, fucking, what else are we going to do? Go for it. And so she grabs it's hold so of good. she grabs hold of Jolene's thread again so that she can just like put her you know her feet up against the side of the cockpit that is now opening so she can just anchor herself uh and so yeah Jolene just launches herself out of the plane goes to punch versus it's the world's biggest superman punch jumping out of yes. a plane to superman punch someone is so so good but it doesn't work. It doesn't work because Stonefree's fist hits a, sh- a pane of glass instead. Specifically, the inside of the glass cockpit of a fighter plane. <laughs> yes, the, a fighter plane. The, the memory of a fighter plane. Uh, that the memory crashes. of a fighter plane whose pilot is missing a lot of body parts. A lot uh-huh. of body parts he probably started flying with but does not have at the moment. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, Jolene's thread snaps She's just stuck in this fighter jet now. So she sends another string straight up uh, uh, to to try and do something. I don't know. And it emerges from the hole where two cops have now found the big hole and are on a walkie-talkie saying like, hey, we found a big hole. Uh, (laughs) what? (laughs) And this is when Jolene Strange shoots up out from the bottom of the frame, wraps around his walkie-talkie and yanks it out of his hand. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Poochie turns to Versus and says, hey, she's really, really good at this, though. Yeah, yeah. If you want to just cut and run, she's like so fucking good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Versus is just like, yeah, OK, look at the scoreboard. Shut up. I got this. It's fine. Fuck off. <laughs> and that brings us to to uh, this episode's uh, OP. And now... It is once again flashback time. <laughs> we got to learn about Donatello versus. 
We got to. We got to learn about how he ran away from home at age 13 because his parents fucking suck, hates his mom, hates his stepdad. They both really preferred his his sisters, so he he abandoned them. And yep. judging by the background in the scene, he ran away from home while at the Magic Kingdom. Yes. Yeah. That's Cinderella's castle right behind them. Mhm. So he's he's living on the streets, he's scamming and scheming and and uh, uh swiping. And he finds uh, shoes, shoes that fall on him out of the sky, baseball cleats. And he puts them on, and they're way too big for him. They're grown man's shoes. He's a little boy in big shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets arrested because those those shoes were donated by Ichiro Suzuki uh, for like a charity fundraiser. And uh, th- they were stolen. He found him. He's arrested for stealing the famous charity shoes. This came out. A few years after the book Holes by Louis Sackar. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this, is the ex- this is the exact same thing. Yep. And what superpower does he get? The power to, build, to dig a really, really big hole? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <coughs> he read Holes. I love it. I love it so much. Now, while Holes' version of this plot included a fictional baseball player, mm-hmm. uh, Rocky, of course, went with a real baseball player, except, except, if, if Versus is 13, that means it's the year 2000. Yeah. That means Ichiro was not yet a Major League Baseball player. He was finishing his Japan career before coming to mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. I can I can understand measuring shoes in centimeters, but nobody, nobody from the Japan League isn't an American sports celebrity. It's not happening. Mm-mm. I would have gone with A Rod or maybe Jason Giambi, but come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so he is put on trial. He's put on trial for the theft of these shoes. Except it's not a trial. In fact, the judge straight up says this isn't a trial. And as soon as he says he didn't steal the shoes, she screams in his face, "You're going to juvie." <laughs> yeah. So it seems like it might have been a trial. I don't know. And yes, it turns out what what actually happened after he got thrown into juvie, the real criminal confessed. But even so, even with only four months in juvenile detention, his body and soul were broken to the point he could no longer walk straight. And so one time he trips and he falls. And when he tries to break his fall, he, his hand is stabbed through by a knife hidden in the, in the yard. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, but quote, a guy three years older than me kicked my ass. Excuse that me. Was his knife. This that man, man is 40 years old. This man has advanced balding already. This dude is like fucking... 25 years older than him. What's He's happening? three times his age. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> so so now he's got a hand wound that has to heal, but it won't. Two weeks later, it is still squirting pus, and worms are crawling out of the wound. Ah. And he comes down with a nearly deadly fever. Jolene killing this man counts as euthanasia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then one day he was like pissing in an alley and the brick wall that he was directly in front of crumbled and revealed the skeletal remains of a woman who died. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just spooky. It's not great, but it's better than pus worms. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like, Oh my God. But it's like, 
You didn't get, didn't get harmed by that. You just got spooked at most. That brings us here. All of these, all of this nasty luck, all of the, this weird connection with with death and the earth uh, uh, is uh, much like, I guess, Baby Giorno, an embryonic manifestation of the stand he would come to, to truly awaken later mm-hmm. in life. But even so, unlike his half-brothers who he met a day or two ago, he feels no loyalty to Pucci at all. <laughs> Nope. And just wants him off his goddamn back. Yeah. And it's like, out of all of the sons of Dio, this guy feels like the actual closest to Dio. <laughs> like, this guy fucking hates anyone being above him and telling him what to do. He's immediately absolutely, scheming. Absolutely. Like, the three sons of Dio I really enjoy thinking about in terms of being sons of Dio because Ungolo, Ungolo really embodies Dio's like drive for vengeance against a world that wronged him. Mm-hmm. While uh, uh, Rikiel is all about the like uh, uh, evolution and mastery and, and ascendance that is so much of what drives Dio in, in part three. And I guess the flashback parts of part six. Yeah. And and now with verses, it is absolutely Dio's monstrous pride yes. all in a person, which again, I'm going to restate it. I don't mind that Giorno's not here. I'd be upset if he were. Giorno doesn't belong here. Yeah. yeah. There, there is no aspect of Dio that Giorno would reflect in, in mm-hmm. this group. Especially, especially at this point in the timeline, like post Requiem. <laughs> God, yeah. He's just like the serene god of the mafia. <laughs> yeah. With, with the, the playground stand of, no, you didn't. That didn't work. <laughs> no, didn't happen. Is Requiem just the beyond belief factor fiction and, uh, uh, <laughs> nope, didn't happen. It was fake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We got you. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! And so when versus is is thinking to himself, you know, hey, fuck you, Poochie, don't tell me what to do. He's like to the side with uh, his hand, kind of digging and scratching away at a mound of rocks and dirt that's behind him, mm-hmm. and it eventually crumbles away. And when he looks back at the the like little hole he's dug, we see. A copy of Poochie in there. Yeah. And and so Versus starts to think to himself, okay, somebody's going to ascend in a few days. Could be me. You know? Could mm-hmm. be me. <laughs> yeah. It's not explicitly said here in this episode, but just to say what happened here, the way these memories of the Earth are conjured by his stand, he has to physically dig them up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Him, he cannot find these memories or whatever he's looking for unless he actually digs up the earth and they will be under the dirt, which is why he had to dig such a big hole for the plane to fit. <laughs> um, and he was just shot like this is hard work. Yeah, I can yeah. understand why he's a little testy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what he has done here is dug up a previous earlier memory of Poochie that the earth has recorded. And he sees on this memory of Poochie, hey, wait a second, this guy's got a disc on him. What's this? And what it is, is it's Weather Report's memory disc. And he says, ah, let me just take that. That's a special betrayal tool that'll help us later. Yes. 
Meanwhile, Ermis is screaming for Jolene because, uh, yeah, she's trapped in a fucking fighter jet, completely separated from her. And Jolene is screaming for Emporio on that police radio that she has tuned to the frequency of the cellular network. Mm hmm. All right. Sure. I mean, like earlier when she snatches that that radio, that police radio, Poochie sees it flying through the air and goes, that radio can even be tuned to cell phone frequencies. She's clearly going to be calling for help from the outside. Again, do you just want to leave? <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's trying to call Emporio and she's asking the, the pilot of this doomed fighter jet to like uh, uh, eject and if there's any way that, to be saved. And he's like, yeah. I mean, there is an ejector seat, but we're so close to the ground, it would kill you anyway. Mm-hmm. So so Emporio picks up, and she just screams everything that's happening about these two plane crashes simultaneously happening in a tunnel under the ground. And Emporio <laughs> says, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... And I love it because, like, when it cuts to him, it's a super, like, wide shot. He's never looked so tiny, <laughs> yeah. in, like, out, out on the streets <laughs> in, in the sunshine. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. And it's just funny because even if you, at this point, you know, anything can happen with stand attacks. But it's just so much information to dump on you all at once yes. that you yes. that even when you accept that, okay, this really is happening because stands, you still have to go, huh? And, and and at what angle do I approach this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? Uh, so what Jolene does is she seizes the controls of of her fighter jet and crashes it into the airliner so that she can rejoin Hermes and and they can team up and and regroup together, mm-hmm. and nobody gets hurt. The planes do not explode as one might expect because because. They don't explode until they crash. That is the memory held in the bowels of the earth. Yep. And so they can do anything to the plane, either plane, and be totally fine until this last minute they have is up. Yeah. <laughs> they can do anything they want for like 80 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Emporio is out on the street and he has his ghost computer, beep boop ghost computer. Yay. Has that been in his pants the whole time? Is the trash can still in his pants? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> you'll be seeing more of this because, you know, previous episode or two episodes ago, he just he pulled out the ghost lighter, you know, the lighter from his room or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he can just bring out any of the ghost objects that he's interacted with basically out of his pockets or in one instance, you'll see later on through his belly button. And I assume that's where the power cable is going. It's going into the room <laughs> yeah. via the belly button. Yep. So he's got his fucking Apple IIe ass blocky uh, uh, middle school computer lab desktop yep. out on the sidewalk. Uh, uh, and he's looking up the historical records, like the, the contemporary news reporting of this crash. And he finds, miraculously, there were two survivors Mm-hmm. Quote, I'm looking the story up now on my ghost computer. <laughs> specifically, t- specifically to find what seats they were in, uh, the absolute miracle zone to survive this plane crash. Mm-hmm. And so back in the hole, Poochie turns to his final remaining bodyguard and is like, hey, you still think you can kill this lady? Huh? Do ya? Do ya? Do ya? <laughs> 
Hermes and Jolene are sprinting to the back of the plane to make it to these two seats where the, the occupants survived. Because if they can just get to those seats and, and sit in them, mm-hmm. they will survive this whole thing. They, they are, of course, in the far, far back center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Underworld uh, leaves the side of Versus to, to go back to the plane in order to slow them down, keep them from getting in the safe zone with 32 seconds to impact. Ah! Uh-huh. And they grab the, the two people sitting in these seats, and you know, they know they're not real people, so they don't give a fuck. They just pick up these this old man and this woman and just toss them to the side like, fuck you, I need these seats! <laughs> uh, my, my favorite part before that, though, is like, it's a, it's a three-way race, uh, uh, right, with Underworld clamoring along the, the baggage compartment. Uh, uh, alongside them and Stonefree punches the dividing wall in between classes to pinch Underworld in place. It's very good. It's very good. So yes, they've reached uh, a young woman and the grandpa from the boondocks (laughs) and just throw them out of their seats. Aramis gives this whole speech about how they aren't even real, that the real them are out living their lives somewhere seven years older. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason, the reason these two seats endured, according to, to uh, Emporio, is that the impact created a quantum vacuum around them. <laughs> yeah. Quantum vacuum is technically a thing that exists, at least in thought experiments. It's not like we've made one. Yeah. But it would not be safe to be inside. <laughs> yeah. Because a quantum vacuum is the quantum state with the lowest possible energy. That means you would uh, have no physical particles and be at absolute zero. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're just throwing nonsense words. Uh, yeah, yeah. So as they both, both Jolene and Hermes turn to get back in these seats that are now empty, they're now being filled by new people. Yes. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they, they turn to the seat and see a tiny bandaged girl. Hermes tells her to just shove off. Yeah. And then... And then, from the ceiling falls a little boy uh, who has two prosthetic legs. He's a double amputee. Around 11 looking. And I want to say, he looks exactly like an anime Bart Simpson. Yes, uh, he does. He's straight up like... I don't watch Sims anymore, but I did see the stupid uh, uh, Death Note thing they did uh, mm-hmm. from like last Halloween or whatever. And yes, they draw anime Bart Simpson basically exactly like this child in in <laughs> in that thing. So, so this this poor boy with uh, his two pros- uh, below the knee prosthetic legs, and this girl who has got. Uh, boils protruding from underneath her head bandage. She's mm-hmm. bandaged in other places. She's looking around for her pills because uh, the schedule's coming and it's very important. The doctors made that very clear. She has to take her medicine on time. And Versus has been <laughs> sending Underworld out of the hole to kidnap children to drag them into the nightmare memory. <laughs> yes. To take up the seats to once again ask, are you a bad enough dude to kill a kid? <laughs> And that's when more children fall from the ceiling. Just There's a third one just to sweeten the pot. Yeah. Sicken the pot, maybe? I don't know. Now, my question is, how, how in the seat do you have to be? Just sit in the seats and put these kids on your lap. They talk about that. Shortly, they say, oh, man, the zone isn't going to be big enough to have <laughs> oh, kids that's right, on that's our right. lap. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how do they know this? I don't know, but they're not going to risk it. Mm-hmm. 
So, so Versus is finally, finally feeling like he can get Poochie to lay off for a fucking second. <laughs> yeah. Because this, this is how he kills Jolene Cujo, even if she does the unthinkable and murders these sick kids... He's still going to defeat her conscience first. It's going to eat away at her and erode her. She won't be a hero anymore. What's the point? Yeah. So Emporio is still on the computer inside the Speed Force. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that he has red zipping speed lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is when Versus just starts counting down from three, Mm -hmm, two, mm -hmm. one. And Hermes and Jolene, still standing up, not in their seats, see the plane explode in front of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this brings us to the middle of the episode. Kiss is back in the title card with new coloring, mm-hmm. new pose. Ooh. Nice. And so fire engulfs everyone. The plane explodes. Uh, the camera is sitting just behind the shoulders of Poochie and Versus as they watch this giant, giant fireball. Mm-hmm. And so Poochie tries to guilt Versus for killing the extra kid. Yep. And Versus uh, feels no guilt or remorse from doing this. He's just like, hey, I didn't kill the kids. Jolene and Ermis did for being down here. And so then uh, Boondock's grandpa stumbles out of the crash, just as the Earth would remember him doing after all. Mm-hmm. Except, except he's got a sticker on his forehead. Yeah. This is when the grandpa, you, you see the sticker on his cheek. And you notice that, wait a second, his head and, like, the back of his head that you could just see slightly from this angle kind of have, like, a split across the middle here. Like, you can see inside of it, and it's just black and hollow. hmm And this is suddenly when he starts to split into two, and you see the little children just start popping out from inside of him. Yeah, yeah. Flat top Bart Simpson boy is inside the double grandpa. yeah. And, well, two of the kids are alive just because they were in the chairs. Mm-hmm. And one's alive for being in Grandpa. Yes. And then the uh, woman who is... Yes, the young woman who survived because she is remembered to have survived also has a sticker on her because she is also a goopy double skin suit. And she is protecting... <laughs> and she is protecting Hermes Costello. Surprise, here she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And so, versus... Is, is surprised, shocked, but he knows the score. He can count. He sees that there's still no way that Jolene survived. And so Poochie turns to him and says, dude, though, dude. she's so good at this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and this is when Versus gets uh, thread wrapped around his legs and yanks him down to the ground. And the thread is coming out of Hermes's mouth. See, what happened, what had happened was <laughs> Jolene unraveled herself entirely so she could be inside Aramis while Aramis is inside this other young woman. God. And who among us isn't imagining a few things right now? <laughs> uh-huh. Jolene never has yeah. to buy floss. <laughs> She's got the, the healthiest gums. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my thought. <laughs> And so Poochie turns to Versus and is like, hey, this is usually the part where she fucking kills guys. (laughs) You should watch out for that. (laughs) And so 
Uh, versus so, this is the part where she just fucking kills guys. He's he's yeah. getting pummeled uh, while he's hoisted by the ankles. He is a speed bag for Stone Free, basically. Yep. Until until he does a great big uh, suspended in the air sit up to fling Weather Report's memory disc out of the hole. He alley oops it to Underworld, who takes it even farther while shouting Weather Report. Yes. And when he does this, Poochie uh, is shocked that somehow the disc was stolen from him and he goes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh dude you don't know what the fuck you just did uh and versus just like i do actually i read the disc <laughs> versus is sure that this is the play that's going to save his life he's going to get out of this scot-free poochie is saying that this is the dumbest thing anyone could have ever possibly done you fool you moron and jolene <laughs> is a few steps behind she's like what was that who are you talking about? What the fuck? Oh, you're talking about Weather Report? Is that why you screamed his name a minute ago? <laughs> jo- Jolene, catch Come up, on. please, please. Uh, and this is when Versus just starts telling them, hey, I read the contents of the memory disc. When Weather Report gets his memories back, he is not going to be a friend of yours anymore. But what he will do is unlock his stand's true potential. Yes. <laughs> Did you know Weather Report could be even stronger? Could do even weirder shit? Yeah. And so then, and so then, a triple rainbow ricochets down into the hole to, to illuminate everything around them and versus points and shouts, Look, heavy forecast, the devil's rainbow. <laughs> As if this means anything. Heavy forecast, of course, localized uh, uh, version of heavy weather, but Mm -hmm. more on that next week. (laughs) Yes. So outside, outside, Weather Report and Anasui have made it to the hospital. Weather Report is kneeling. The disc slides into his head. He's regained his memories. He's overwhelmed by them, at least momentarily. And as he stumbles around, he, he uh, bumps into an injured guy waiting for the bus to, to leave the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he acts very rude and unlike himself while he uh, uh, shouts at this man and, and lightning flashes within his eyes. Again, still three days to the new moon, the show three days. R- reminds us, and to be continued. To be continued, that's it. That's the episode. The, yep. the awakening of heavy weather. The devil's rainbow. The devil's rainbow! <laughs> it is Florida. That's just what they call the pr- the pride flag. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, okay, question I want to pose to you, because I, sure. I did this with with Jess when... I was re-watching these episodes, and she was seeing them for the first time. I want you to guess, what do you think Heavy Weather, the Devil's Rainbow, does? (laughs) What's the new power? (laughs) Heavy Weather. What is heavier than weather? (laughs) Right? Not much if I'm shoveling snow. Uh, (laughs) That's how it feels, anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Heavy Weather, the Devil's Rainbow illusions mm. i mean i'm just go- going off of a light refraction some something sure. that looking at a light will do to you right yeah yeah and but but i feel like just tricking people we're beyond that so like you have to look at the light and something actually happened right right <laughs> okay we'll just keep that in mind then for when okay you <laughs> you watch for next week Heavy episodes 30 through 32, heavy weather, one, two, and three. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- these episodes, this is great. This is... Mm-hmm. I... Incredibly frustrating every time they say something, it turns out to be exactly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Why is everything wrong? Like, it's got to be intentional it's like you don't say that an hour and a half hour drive is actually a 10 hour drive unless you're doing it on purpose and i is it just to be disorienting because i'm disoriented it worked yeah. if that's the plan yeah i really don't know and i also don't remember if it said 10 hours in the manga either or if this is perhaps a mistranslation because you know netflix subtitles for anime have had a pretty consistent track record of not being very good so <laughs> i don't know is it a mistranslation? Did it always say 10-hour drive? But yeah, the other stuff cannot be, you know, it's just wrong. Yeah, the yeah. Other stuff. Like getting the the alleged existence of rods exactly opposite. Like, yeah, they, they only show up to the naked eye and not on camera. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, other way. But I've been thinking about what makes stuff like this that is just as weird and just as nonsense as... Yo-Yo Ma and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. like, as much as I want to talk about like guidelines and clarity of action, like if the incidents, if the little bits make me laugh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yo-Yo Ma didn't make me laugh as much as Poochie turning to verses like, come on, bro, you lost. Just just admit you lost. (laughs) We just started. I know, but she's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really funny to have a, a main villain in a JoJo part just completely acknowledge that the JoJo is really good and basically nigh unstoppable. <laughs> and just peeling out from inside Grandpa is so funny. Yes. But but also, like, thinking about part three, because when we're, we're living through an echo of Dio and the, the child of Jotaro... You're constantly thinking about part three, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised at how quickly Dio's sons are showing up and then being dispatched, much like Rando stand user of the week back at, in and approaching Egypt. Yeah. And I like these guys a lot because, I mean, because of the things I was saying earlier, because they have a thing to say in the world that then reflects on the greater, like, legacy that they are a part of or mm. or... And as much as I enjoyed Dan of Steel, he didn't. He he was just fun. Yeah. He's just like, and Dan of Steel is the one that always comes up because he's the guy whose name I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rikiel, Ungolo, and Versus don't have particularly memorable names. You know, uh, no. uh, ask me in a year and a half or whatever, I probably will be like, you know, the cow one or, or whatever. Yeah. But I will remember what they had to say uh, about what it is to be Dio and a son of Dio. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, especially when we have Versus here. He might be my favorite just because he brings the most, like, of Dio's actual personality back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, part one Dio before he became a vampire, basically. <laughs> Where he's just so pissed off at everybody. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. fucking hates everyone telling him what to do. And that's just really entertaining to, to, to see that back for a little bit. And also just the, the stand of digging up the, the recorded memories of Earth is a cool one. It is. It is. It's like 
The two inspirations returning to Stone Tape Theory and Louis Sackar's Holes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Soon to become a Shia LaBeouf vehicle. Yeah. God, are right. undeniable, but they combine in a really fun way. <laughs> and also this stand fight is continuing the, you know, the thing that got brought up the previous stand fight of, you know, predetermined uh, uh, events and fate. Yeah, and all that stuff yeah. and trying to break out of it and, and and cheat it and all that stuff. And much more successfully, again, going back to Pinocchio, the, the Pinocchio bit. Like, mm -hmm. I was very happy with seeing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody as, oh, this is the fate fight. This is the traditional fate fight. Yes. But I think Underworld's a better fate fight because, mm -hmm. like, it is absolutely immutable. It follows that rule set down by all the previous fate fights. Yep. There's no weird Pinocchio exception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pinocchio was just weak. Yeah, I guess all three of the Dio, the, the Sons of Dio fights are all technically fate fights in some way. Just some stronger than others. How, what What's fateful about Rod's? I'm, I'm, I mean... His, his whole speech about, like, his, uh, he is merely a stepping stone. Fate chose Jolene to go on and not yeah, him. Yeah, that, that's the weak one, because his stand itself yeah, has nothing yeah. to do with fate. It's just questioning was this fate when he gets owned Rekiel's interpretation of what happened regarding Nex yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's definitely the least successful one while the other two Sons of Dio yeah mm -hmm, definitely mm -hmm. a lot they, more they are fate fights in the way that Thoth is a fate fight yes yeah yeah the, the actual mechanics that drive the incident mm -hmm. yeah like you were saying earlier yeah definitely even when absolute nonsense is happening in these fights it's so much more easy to accept because it's just way more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> and also compared to those previous fights in the, the second chunk of, of Stone Ocean, when absolute just absurd bullshit is happening, the characters more react like, hey, this is absurd bullshit. What the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. the, it, I feel like it's easier to accept because it feels more like, hey, no, this is meant to be bullshit, and these stands are so powerful that they're, like, breaking down reality in some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody fight literally broke reality, and everyone in the world knew about reality breaking. <laughs> that was worldwide news for mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. day. I'm still thinking about how surprising it is to me that Dio Sons, th they showed up and were dispatched across five episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason it is surprising is because there are, what, nine remaining episodes? Mm -hmm. They are presented as Poochie's final bodyguards. And just yes. knowing how to count makes it feel more like, all right, I'm going to make a whole set of, of enemies and they're going to be named after the, the, the Major Arcana. Oh, fuck, I ran out. Okay, uh, there's a new set. Uh, they're Egyptian <laughs> gods. Oh, fuck. I ran out. This guy's name is Vanilla Ice. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we just need a couple more up to the end. Just yeah. just like two or three more. We got Vanilla Ice and then we have Arby's. I mean, Darby. <laughs> uh, I, I like the idea of the Sons of Dio. I do enjoy all of them. I do kind of wish that they came in earlier and they were a bigger force mm -hmm. that weren't owned so quickly because I like them and I want to see more of them, honestly. Or in adaptation, yeah. either have Poochie start getting nervous that he's running out of bodyguards because they were supposed to be his final bodyguards, mm -hmm. or don't have him introduce them as his final bodyguards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
there's still going to be a lot of wild shit happening despite being down I to mean, this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of them technically isn't dead and maybe, you know, as Poochie keeps cooking, he won't need bodyguards, you mm-hmm. know? M- maybe he's right after all. Wait and see what Poochie's cooking. He's cooking. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> he's, he's cooking the devil's rainbow. <laughs> Spicy rainbow. Don't want to touch this. It's too hot. Anyhow, as you said, uh, uh, next week we're going to be back talking about the next three episodes. Episodes 30, 31, and 32. Mm-hmm. Heavy Weather 1, Heavy Weather 2, and Heavy Weather 3. Very excited for these three parts. But before we go... Uh, I don't think we mentioned it uh, on record yet, but I believe this is the first episode of Dogs Must Die coming out after the debut mm-hmm. of Part 9 Jojo Lands. Yeah. So congratulations to everybody. This, this is... We're like, I love I love how things are lining up. I, I love that uh, um, while we are wrapping up animated Jojo uh, at roughly the same time, they are creating new uh, uh, published JoJo. Yep. You know, I've got plenty of time before part seven gets animated if it does, which I assume it would, but I have not actually read beyond part six. So I'm going to be getting on that soon so I can still stay ahead and also mm-hmm, hopefully mm-hmm. catch up so I can read part nine as it's happening, which, you know, unless this is a very short part. I mean, the last one took what, 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I feel like will part nine of JoJo's end faster than the other ones because it's a shorter story or will it end abruptly because Araki is getting old <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if anybody has earned making a story that only takes say two or three years in a monthly magazine and then just yeah. fucking retiring yeah or or doing you know one shots uh, uh whenever the the need or, or mood arises it's Araki like come on guy yes <laughs> This dude just, has... Just make your point and go to the beach, man. We, we yeah. love you. You earned it. Yeah, this dude has cranked out so much stuff. Yeah, he could stop now and it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's a that's a <laughs> massive amount of a life's work right there. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so with that then, see you next week, all you heavy report fans out there. <laughs> to be continued. To be continued. To be continued.